it's Danielle Radoichin and this is In Talks With, a series of bite-sized chats about culture from lockdown and beyond. Stefano Tonki, welcome to the In Talks With podcast. We're talking to each other during the COVID-19 lockdown of 2020. I'm in London. Where are you? I'm in uh, New York State, actually in the countryside in Long Island, in Bridgehampton, where I have been recluded for the last uh, two months. I think I moved here after the Paris shows uh, the first week of March, and here we are two months later. How are you feeling? I'm a little bit uh, uh, impatient to move back to New York to kind of uh, get back into a city that I love so much and that, uh, you know, is well known as the city that never sleeps, but I've been sleeping for two months. You're one of the great lifestyle magazine editors from launching Team Magazine for the New York Times in 2004 to the nine years you spent at the helm of W Magazine and you've also worked at publications including Esquire and L'Homme Vogue over the years. Today, of course, you're Global Chief Creative Officer at L'Officiel, um, which I think is working across 31 global editions. Looking back, what do you think it is about you and your background that led you down this path? Well, I mean, I think I always looked at, uh, at fashion as part of a larger discipline of journalism and uh, I always look at fashion in the context of contemporary culture trying to find uh, you know those uh, connections and trying to celebrate them I would say I never looked at uh, clothes or at the clothes but more at the meaning of them and their place in society and how they came to mean to the meaning they have Magazines are a form of communication, you could say. Um, What are your thoughts on how that has evolved? Thinking, of course, about the internet, but then also more recently to the COVID-19 pandemic and how that has affected things. Well, I mean, I would say that uh, uh, the pandemic we we are living through is just uh, uh, an acceleration of things that have been happening, at least in the last five years, at a very fast speed, but even 10 years ago. When I, when I look back, really, um, I was thinking about this recently because I went through kind of my uh, library and the many publications I've put out and the many things I've done, as you said. And I was thinking about, you know, when I started, uh, the world was a very different place. You know, um, I'm talking about uh, the 80s. I'm not talking about uh, a small village in the middle of nowhere. I'm talking about Florence. But really, there were no internet, no cell phones, uh, no e-commerce, all things that today are, you know, almost like uh, completely kind of uh, uh, embedded in our existence. I mean... I really to think about a time when 
to find a copy of your favorite publication, and for me was The Face magazine from London, I had to spend, you know, multiple trips. I had to take multiple trips to the railway station at 4 a.m. in the morning to see if and grab the, if the copy would have arrived, one copy, and grab that before anybody else. This was what life was, you know. Music in Italy was so hard to put your hands on. You know, there were no live concerts. They were forbidden. I mean, and, uh, you know, to get like a, a vinyl record, you had to go to London or to New York. There were no way to download music. There were no way to look at pictures of people in the clubs on the internet. The internet didn't exist. There were, I mean, it was such a different place. So communication magazine have completely changed their place in, in society. And uh, we have been living through one of the most incredible revolution, I think, in the history of humanity. I mean, it's really something that probably is going to be remember, remembered as more influential than the Industrial Revolution. Because like the Industrial Re Revolution, it's really changing the nature of human beings, of what it means and how we communicate with each other and what, it, what are our system of values. You, of course, I wanted to mention you started your own independent magazine while you were still in Italy before you moved over to New York called West Stuff. Yeah, that was uh, uh, really the beginning of uh, my, I would say, career in uh, magazines. Uh, I did do something even earlier when I was still in high school with a couple of friends, something called Apache, that was uh, really like uh, uh, a fanzine. But what is fun is that we um, kind of uh, were going around to talking to the friends of my parents and this friend of mine, Nicola, Nicola uh, to ask for their advertising pages that clearly they didn't have because somebody was at this, I don't know, a small shop or somebody else had like, a, 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 was a car dealer. And then we, 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 we asked them for money to support our enterprise and we created advertising pages for them. And then we published like uh, stories about, you know, kind of uh, movies that we have seen, you know, in our kind of summer uh, uh, internship in, in, in England or like uh, uh, records that we have kind of found and uh, fashion that we have seen. Uh, and this was, you know, when we were like 17. So really magazine has been my passion all my life and still is today. And uh, really, um, I, I, I think uh, the quality, the content, uh, the, the, really the substance of magazine doesn't change. I think uh, today we talk so much about digital as a substantive, while I think it is actually an objective. I, what I mean is that content is still content. doesn't matter if it is delivered in a digital 
way. That's really interesting. Um, and of course, the ideas that you are known to work with within that are, um, you're known for working at the intersection of fashion, art and Hollywood. How did you arrive at that recipe? Well, I mean, I would say I always have been following uh, like uh, my interest and the interest of the people around me, around me, and I would say the interest of my audience. Um, it started really connecting fashion style to music because music was really like how we were kind of influencing. In, 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 that's how uh, uh, it was the, 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 the genre that was influencing people. You know, we would dress in a certain way because we saw some uh, musician doing it. You know, I mean, all the British bands and the American bands and we, you know, you were like a, 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 a hippie if you love a certain kind of West Coast music. You were like more dark if you like, you know, the New York sounds of Lou Reed and you were punk if you follow certain bands in London and, and, and your clothes, the, the message came from music. And then, you know, things evolve, I think, and uh, the relationship with like uh, Hollywood and like pop culture became much stronger. So we all fell in love very much with, uh, with what was uh, happening in movies. Movie stars really always dictate like uh, uh, some rules uh, in fashion, in style. But, you know, they came to a real kind of uh, um, full dominance in, 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 the, in the last couple of decades, in particular because uh, they multiply. Usually there were like few big movie stars and suddenly, you know, with TV and then influencers later, the cult of personality became much more diffuse. At the same time, I looked at contemporary art as sure one of my interests and something that also runs in my family as my husband is an art dealer. Uh, and he introduced me to a lot of artists. But I also saw that as one of the very strong interests in the audience that I had at the New York Times and later at W Magazine. So, you know, this connection of fashion with music, fashion with uh, cinema, fashion with uh, contemporary art, I think are kind of natural. I think fashion kind of uh, feeds this, this, this other genre and at the same time is kind of an expression of the dialogue with these other cultural forces. Uh, but I also really, in every job that I took, I also followed like the taste and the interest of the audience that I was, you know, I, that my, my, my magazine had already. And then at a time like this, when what you can do around film and art and fashion and all these things we've been talking about, how does that, how do you see that changing or how, how can that recipe survive? Um, I, I believe that, you know, it is so much part of human nature 
dressing up and trying to be somebody else, uh, wearing like uh, somebody else's skin and expressing, you know, yourself through the skin you put on that are the clothes and the style that you create. Um, this is not going to change, you know. I don't believe that this uh, pandemic will change the nature of, uh, of of people. I think still, you know, there is, you know, you you have to dress in the morning. You have to uh, make, and and you sometimes you really dress for yourself. At least I do. Even these days of pandemic, it's not that I'm lounging in, you know a pair of uh, underwear and uh, and uh, uh, and crazy hair i do take care of myself because it's a, it's it's a form of uh, you know of, of talking to myself even so i think that uh, um, fashion and art and culture will always have like a place and uh, uh, I think uh, that, um, you know, there are so many people right now that say, how can you be, uh, can you be interested or how can you uh, give attention to, you know, uh, stupid things like fashion or, uh, you know, superficial things like certain, I don't know, art or music or Hollywood and this and that when there are people dying and there is like an epidemic and we should all kind of uh, only talk about you know basically the politics of of of, of this uh, uh, pandemic because you know I'm very aware that uh, this pandemic has very very strong political and social meaning meaning and hopefully consequences but that doesn't mean that uh, uh, you know. If there should be no fashion magazine or that the fashion magazine should just uh, show people in masks and, uh, uh, you know, protective gear. I mean, there are other outlets for that. Let's, you know, fashion magazine, our magazine be, yes, an escape. I think it's right to have an escape. And I think also let them be a place for talks and uh, reflection and 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 fun, you know. You, we need the entertainment. I mean, it's part of our lives. Uh, it cannot just be about uh, uh, the, the solici- so, so political and social um, kind of uh, uh, commitment. That it is super important. Don't get me wrong. You know, I totally agree. On, on a political and social agenda. But I don't think that every magazine, and especially like, you know, fashion publications with a, uh, a long history should uh, disappear or become, you know, a political agitator kind of propaganda. I mean, no, I don't believe that. I'm so happy you said that you're still getting dressed and looking and getting dressed up and not just um, forgetting about fashion. I mean, I think also we forget the industry and the work and the, and, 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 and the reason why, you know, uh, fashion is so 
important and 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 and, and relevant. You know, um, I I like to think about uh, L'Officiel for a minute. That is like this very interesting brand that uh, I start uh, to discover. Uh, L'Officiel clearly has always been a service to the fashion industry. It was created in 100 years ago, in 1921, as L'Officiel de la Couture et de la Mode in Paris to promote, you know, the fashion industry in the French fashion industry and uh, talk about it in the world. I mean, today, I think still the magazine function is to promote the world of fashion and a service to the fashion industry. Absolutely. There are no other kind of political, social agendas. But, you know, this is also the publication, the, a publication that survived through even the Nazi occupation of Paris because it was uh, taking care of the fashion industry and making sure that people of every so- social background had a job if they were working in the fashion industry. And they and those uh, seamstresses, you know, could support, you know, and, and get food for the kids. I mean, in that way, you know, was it superficial for a magazine to publish fashion during the war and all what was happening? Maybe, yes, it was superficial, but it was also incredibly socially relevant. It was very economically relevant. And at the end, it was also giving, I don't know, a sense of hope and uh, a sense of beauty uh, that I think it's, it's part of the human nature and should be part of the human nature. I think, uh, you know, uh, to look at what is happening today and the pandemic and uh, the, 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 at this point, million of people that are dying from, from these uh, is, uh, uh, it's, it's hard enough. Sometimes you want to have a place where to escape for five minutes or half hour and imagine life in a different way. And you recently said that there's incredible potential in the digital and social space, but so much to be done. Can you talk a bit about what you mean by that? Some people that come from my background and print and, uh, uh, you know, the old school uh, have become, you know, kind of very, uh, very negative on uh, digital culture and digital uh um, magazines and what you see on, you know, Instagram or what you see, you know, a social channel, a lot of what you see on YouTube and where the numbers are. But, you know, I don't think that digital culture is by, I, I think it's fantastic. It's fantastic that everybody can access it. I think it's fantastic that it's so much easier to communicate and and to uh, find an audience, actually, uh, even when it's a small audience. The thing is that, you know, sometimes we just give too much attention to the numbers and to what, what makes those numbers 
in a, in, in a world of numbers. And so you identify digital only with, you know, basically bad content or popular content when, you know, digital is just like a way to deliver content. It's not a definition of the content. It is the way we deliver content. We can still deliver great content in the digital way. Actually, we can find a larger audience for it, more kind of uh, small niches that are have special interest. I really, really think that, you know, I, I, you know, recently I joined Instagram and you can check that. <laughs> and um, I'm really like, you know, not, I, I, I'm, I'm using, uh, my Instagram is called Open Book and I'm just like posting images from articles, magazines, books that I have edited or published. And I try to talk and present those uh, those images. There is nothing, I would say, superficial about it. I think it's great content, but it is delivered, I think, in a modern way through Instagram. The same way, you know, I find so many interesting publications that are just digital. That doesn't doesn't define the quality of the content. Why did you choose the name Open Book? Well, it's really like literal because it's always about, you know, we in, in, in my world, we often, often call magazine books. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's really like, you know, the double page from, from a book that is in, open in front of me, a magazine or a proper book. So, and, you know, uh, sometimes you say you can read me like an open book. So it's also... I say a way to expose, uh, you know, what I'm thinking at that moment, you know, it was the birthday of uh, Queen Elizabeth and I post something that was from, from a book uh, where there was this great collage, a book called Excess, that was the catalog for an exhibition in Florence uh, about the 80s and the, and the kind of punk years and and it was fun you know uh was a really it, it was a way to remember something and say oh this is a uh, this is what i'm thinking right now the same way another day i was thinking about you know what will happen to luxury with all these uh, crazy things that are happening and i posted this picture uh that was published in an art issue in w of some a uh, very beautiful fur on a chair in the middle of the ocean. I mean, where the waves are going to take them away. That was a way to say, well, think, you know, it's kind of the, the idea of luxury and a certain kind of luxury, what fur are, is really uh, in danger. Possibly there is a beauty in it too. Stefano, we're we're coming to the end of our conversation, but I was wondering before you go, has this period of lockdown been inspiring for you in any way in that it's given you any new ideas? Well, I mean, it's been a very, very active period, actually, because I could uh, focus uh, staying at home. Uh, it I work, as you can see, on this new idea for Instagram because I really 
happened to kind of to put order in all the magazines and books and things that I have done. So it gave me a little bit of a perspective, trying to understand uh, which are the interests that have been constant in my career. Uh, And I would say really what what we started with is interest in uh, fashion as part of contemporary culture in continuous dialogue with music, with uh, contemporary art, with uh, cinema, with television, and how each one of these uh, kind of disciplines uh, uh, takes uh, inspiration and feeds into each other. I, I, I love that. I think this is very much, you know, the moment we live in, and I feel that's the expression of it. On the other side, I spent a lot of time also uh, trying to know better the brand that I started working for, the L'Officiel Group, looking at uh, really literally 100 years of publishing. Uh, that is quite incredible when you have uh, had access to the whole um, archives that thank God, is digitalized and was accessible for me. So you can see really the evolution of a magazine about fashion as an evolution really of uh, really fashion culture, evolution of the place of women in society, really like a history of women, a history of the of, of liberation uh, of women from the corset to, you know, like uh, the, the the freedom of Chanel and and today and then also the representation of fashion because uh, you know the first ten years are all about uh, illustration and drawings and then you have the first uh, pictures and then you have you know the the, the 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 coming of fashion photography and then in the most recent year the coming of videos another new form of technology it's quite incredible. Um, and then, you know, another part of the brand that I kind of appreciate was uh, that from really its inception in 1921, the magazine was in English, French, and Spanish. So immediately it was an international brand. So when I, when the, 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 when I had to deal with like a, uh, the, I, I took as a serious commitment to meet the 30 editor-in-chief of each of the editions and know the publishers and get to know what they're doing, how they're doing it, and create like a conversation between them that never existed. So I put together this kind of new network where I have, uh, you know, this morning I was just like dealing with the, the uh, South American group. So it was like Mexico, Brazil, and Argentina. And I had like the editor-in-chief and some of the digital editor from this magazine and we're exchanging ideas. A lot of countries, by the way, are still, or they've been in lockdown. They're just coming out. Everybody's dealing with the same issues. Um, how are we going to publish next issue? Is it going to be just digital? And if it is digital, what kind of uh, delivery I'm going to have? Maybe little bits of it, maybe all together. Maybe I want to create something that is interactive, like they're doing in Latvia. Maybe, you know, I'm going to do something very different, like they're doing in China, that is, uh, L'Officiel is a weekly 
feed on your phone and from the issue you can shop directly. This is very Chinese and very, very like evolved. But, you know, exchanging this experience is so interesting. And uh, I think uh, it's about kind of, you know, in a certain way, building the future and uh, uh, the future of magazines, not as we knew them, but the way we will know them, because I'm sure the idea of magazine will survive. Well, that's a very nice, positive, forward-thinking note to end on. Um, Stefano, thank you so much for joining me on the In Talks With podcast. Thank you for having me and uh, uh, hopefully we will be all out and about having fun very soon. Uh, Hopefully, you know, shopping for good causes. And uh, uh, I would say going back to what we wear but better than what we wear. You've been listening to In Talks With, with me, Danielle Radojcin. The sound and theme music were by Wargie Productions and the artwork is by Patrick War. If you enjoyed this episode, please pass it on to someone who you think might also like it. And of course, please do subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening.